Good evening, Patriots. I tell you, it's an awesome Sunday evening as we kind of wrap down a week and a weekend. We're going to have a special guest on here in just a minute. It's going to be pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm just waiting. There she is right there. Hang on a second. Right here. And we'll see if we've got this in just a moment. And in just a moment, we'll have it. Anyway. We're going to have just a nice casual talk tonight about the great things about our about faith and um, all the wonderful things like that. I'm sending an invite over. I'm trying to get Michelle on tonight from Resistance Chicks. I've sent her over an invite. Let's see if she gets it in Podbean. So hopefully she'll call in. But we'll get it here in just a second. And... Okay. Well, I know she's listening. So, Michelle, I sent you the invite. So, just go ahead and, and click it in here in just a minute. But I um, do want to make a mention because I know that one of our own right now has lost somebody very, very special. Here we go. Anyway, I think we're getting. Hey there. Are you connected? I'm connected. Okay. Hang on just a second. Let me get you dialed in. Try that again. Can you hear me now, Mr. Festerson? I can. Can everybody hear Michelle? Let me see if we can get a 5-5 five five on this real quick. Let me get this up. 5-by-5, five five, I'm Michelle. Okay, let's see if everybody has a 5-5 five five with Michelle. Can everybody hear Michelle? Let's see. I'm going to get a 5-5 five five on it here in just a second. Yeah, it's a 3-5. Three five. Five, five. We're getting a 3-5 <laughs> and a 0-5. Let me take you off the speaker. Okay, there we go. Let me see if I can figure out how to do that. Okay. I have no idea how to take you off the speaker. Huh. Let me see. Okay. Oh, we're getting different ratings here. You're getting a low, low. You're getting a 2.5, a 3.5. That's not like you. That's not typical. <laughs> Let me, I wonder if I tried earbuds, if that would help. That might. Yeah, try your earbuds. I boosted the volume internally. I don't know how good the audio is going to be here, but we're going to do it. Lord willing. Oh, now, now we even got a, we got an 8.5 for Scott. and, a, and uh, Scott All is right, on. what about now? Oh, there we go. And that's got to be a better 5-5. Five five. Yeah, we got 5-5 five five now. You got the 5-5 five five rating. That fast? Yeah, that fast, just like that. That's pretty good. That says, someone says a little better. Still 3-5. Wow, I'm getting low ratings. Embarrassing. All right, let me just see where we have on our internal. Not much, they said. Come on, guys. Be nicer than that. It's be you better. are distorted as well, Mr. Fester. Am I distorted? And I'm inaudible. How's this? Try it. Huh. Scott, you're overdriven. Scott distorted Michelle too low. Hmm. Distorted. I don't know what that is. Are you talking, Michelle? I'm talking right now. Huh. Huh. I wonder what's going on here. Loud. <laughs> Scott, good for me. She's just low. Hmm. Okay. Well, you're low for some reason. I wonder why. Um, hmm. This worked absolutely perfectly with Corey Terry the other night. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Got what I don't have, I guess. What's that? I guess he must have what I don't have. I don't know what that is. That's not good. I wanted you on here tonight. We're still going <laughs> to. How's that? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I bet they can. How's that? Better. You're getting a better. You're getting a thumbs up. How am I getting? How am I getting a better? Did you do an adjustment? Not really. It's just magic. Like that. <laughs> we just prayed over it. Yeah, I did. We're gonna pray over it. Yes, we just did. That's good. All right, let's just talk. This is good. We're gonna take advantage of this moment in time. How are you? 
I am quite well. How are you doing, Mr. Kesterson? I'm doing fantastic. It's nice to have you on live. I know. This is incredible. I'm, I think this is the first time you've ever had us on live outside of on Rumble. Yes, it's, it is the first time live. And it's, we're going to have to do this more often after we work out the little kinks on it. Yes, so, we will. So I'm going to just share a little something because you all don't know this. Michelle is unbelievably talented. Oh, oh yes. God. I know. Here it comes. <laughs> Michelle is unbelievably talented, if you didn't know, as a singer and a, and a and piano player. And we just had a private concert, which, sorry, you don't get to share in, folks. But we just had a private concert on Marco Polo from her playing a new song she's been working on with the lyrics that came from Laura Lee. You want to talk a little bit about it? Uh, yeah, actually. It's a wonderful song that Laura Lee um, so graciously gave me the lyrics to and said, do what you want with it. And I've been working on it. And um, if we can get it good enough, then maybe we will record it and put it out. Oh, that's awesome. No, it was really a wonderful piece. And I, I love the composition you came up with. The The Cantrells were enjoying it as much as anybody, just so you Which know. Which I didn't know they were. So I did this Marco Polo thinking to myself that I was just sending it to you and John and Stacy and Samantha. And then, um, which for those of you that don't know, we talk about John and Stacy on our show all the time. They're part of our shooting ministry team, as well as Samantha. They were at Bard's Fest. Um, and John was one of our speakers. So uh, they are very dear friends of ours. And so I thought I was just, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that you have a clan of people in your home and that you would play it for all of them. To, and so when you told me afterwards, I was kind of, I, I literally got shaky, which is funny for the person that can get on stage and talk to thousands of people without batting an eye. Yeah, but it was great. I mean, we had the whole family, like, listening to the private concert with Michelle. It was awesome. You're a cruel man, Mr. Kesterson. Not cruel at all. It was enjoyable. We are all you. You took young boys, and they were literally watching Aunt Michelle doing her thing. It was amazing. It was pretty crazy. It was good. Yes, I, well, I'm trying to find the lyrics um, so that I can read them to you guys because they're so powerful that Laura Lee wrote. I know she texted them to me. I don't. I think I have them in an email, but I want to pull them up in this text message so I can read it to you guys. Because for those of you that don't know. Our very dear Laura Lee is a um, singer-songwriter and has had quite a few hits, by the way. Uh, so she gave me one of her CDs from Bard's Fest, and it was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, she has a, the voice of an angel. Um, okay, so I've got these lyrics I want to read to you guys. At the well, I met my savior, and he sat and told me plain that the water I was drawing would only make me thirst again. As I listened to him tell me who I was and where I'd been, I could feel his living water wash away my deepest sin. And he told me I was worthy and to hold my head up high for my sins would be forgiven, and to the cross he went to die. So tell them who I am, he said, but tell them who you saw. For he bought my life back from the dead, and he released me from the law. Oh, the water from that precious well will never be the same. For there my Lord and Savior daily dwells, but now he calls me by my name. And he told me I was worthy and to hold my head up high, for my sins were all forgiven, and to the cross he went to die. That's fantastic lyrics. and you, They it, are incredible lyrics, actually. And it's not only are they, and someone just asked who this is. This is Michelle Svensson from Resistance Chicks, just so you all know. 
And uh, if you don't know her voice by now, you will know it by the end of the show. You'll never forget it. It's one of these unforgettables. So it's good. So uh, Laura Lee's lyrics are fantastic. And, uh, you know, it, it is so funny. People are, people are crazy. They, they, uh, I'm getting these comments like, your volume's too high. And they said, folks, chill it tonight. We're, we're doing a call-in, <laughs> and we're enjoying it. So enjoy, sit back, and drive, and enjoy the, enjoy the show. So um, it is, you did an amazing I job. Would, can I interrupt you, Mr. Custer? Yes, you may. I, I, I know. I, I, it was polite of me to ask, because normally I just do. From, there's not really anything that we can do about it. However, if there are issues with the show, it is okay for people to let you know that it's there, just coming from a technical standpoint. Yeah, right. I just, I, we had so many problems, and we finally get something semi-working at this point in time. I'm happy just to have it work, considering how miserable it's as been. As long the- as you guys can make out what we're saying, you know, there's a saying from one of my famous farmers, Joel Salatin, good enough is great. Yeah, it is, literally. It is It is like one of those moments that you just have to make do So, um, with what you have. so. I, but I did interrupt you. You were about to get into something really deep and serious. I felt that I'm sorry. Well, I think, it's, I think this, that what you've done with the lyrics is very powerful. And, and the song that you created is has a lot of sense and feel to it. And I will tell you, I mean, watching... These young boys here, literally on the edge of their seat, not exaggerating, and even even praying during your during your song, it's very powerful. You are moving people, and it's it's a great lyrics. I, I'm looking forward to when you guys finally get it get it recorded. I think it's going to be great. Well, praise the Lord for Laura Lee because it wouldn't have come about without her. Yes, and she is. So, Michelle, I didn't want to do a prayer with you uh, for somebody in our group, and yeah, our, okay. and it's um, Melanie, and she just lost her father, oh, and yeah. it's it's a big loss. And I believe he was ninety two years old. And we prayed for him this morning, but I, with you, I'd like to pray for her if that's okay with you. One million percent, dear Heavenly Father, we just lift up Melanie to you right now. I just pray that you are wrapping her with your loving arms, and that your Holy Spirit is descending in that place, not just around her, but around her family. That you're bringing back memories, beautiful memories, for her to be able to hold on to and cherish and love. And I thank you, Father God, um, that she loves you and she serves you. And I'm assuming that her father is uh, with you in heaven right now. And I just thank you for that, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise for. The fact that you have come and you have died and you have reconciled us back to you and that we have the opportunity to spend eternity with you. And when we have a loss of a loved one that we know that has gone on to be with you, it's only a loss because we miss them, but it's not a loss for them. It's only gain. And so I thank you for uh, Melanie right now. And I just pray that her heart is um, completely wrapped by the hug of the Holy Spirit right now and that every feeling and emotion that she has as we go through these mourning processes it's natural and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but I just pray that you make it as easy and seamless as possible for her as she goes through the, the missing of someone that uh, was probably so very dear to her and led and, and guided her to her life. So we just thank you for Melanie, for her being a part of Bard's Nation and the Bard's family. And we just thank you that we're able to give her a communal hug right now. And Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And Father God, I just want to thank you for Melanie and all she's brought to this community. Just pray right now that those moments of loss are turned into the great memories that she has to preserve those and to elevate those within the heart. And as they are elevated to literally 
make those memories so strong and so powerful that the moment of loss is pushed away and the celebration of life overtakes and that the memories that she's given strengthen her and guide her and elevate her and lift her up into the greatness, knowing that her father rests in heaven looking down upon her. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you are um, in the holiday season, and you guys are busy, typically, in the holiday season. Talk a little bit about what you're doing on the God's Little Acre that you have. So on God's Little Acre, (laughs) this is so great. So we have our rooster. His name is aptly called Mr. Rooster. In fact, every rooster that we've had, his name is Mr. Rooster. Um, And we have this rooster. He's wonderful. It's really good to get a rooster that will protect the flock. He goes and he finds the bugs in the yard and he'll start scratching and then start, you know, sounding off for all the girls to come and get the food. And then he'll stand by and just like watch. I don't know how he's as big as he is because he finds the food and then he just sits back and watches them eat. It's really adorable. Uh, and we have had him for several years. He actually took over the job of another rooster that we love. He's a breed called a dorky, which is a heritage breed. Absolutely gorgeous bird. Um, we didn't realize at the time that you really can't have two roosters on just one acre. They will, you will have talk bites. And we had one one day and this guy, Junior, actually beat out our other rooster who we loved even more. And, um, I got really, really mad and I had to go and, and, and put Mr. Rooster the first down, which was really, really difficult to do, but he stepped up and he's done a phenomenal job for probably three or four years. And we've had hens that have gone brooding. And that, that means that they start laying a bunch of eggs and they can lay up to like 21 eggs because they can do it for like three weeks. And then as soon as they start to actually sit on those eggs, something miraculous happens where the egg that was laid on day one and the egg that was laid on day 21, which is usually not 21 days, we're looking at like maybe 12, 14, um, they all start to incubate at the exact same time. So the actual, the actual, you know, spark of life doesn't happen until her warmth and moisture is like consistently there. And then boom, they, they all start to grow. Okay, it's actually phenomenal. So we've had hens that have gone broody over the years and they'll hatch out chicks and it's really fun to watch them become moms and teach the little chicks how to be chickens on the property. And the past couple of hens that we have had go broody, they have been unsuccessful and the eggs have not developed into chicks and we're kind of going, what's going on? Well, well, it turns out that our Mr. Rooster is now in his age shooting joints. Hmm. This is a problem on a farm where you need to have sustainability. So we decided let's start out from scratch. We will incubate chicks, which we've never done before. I bought an incubator and we'll raise out our own rooster. And we, so we went and bought these eggs, fertilized eggs from another farm we found on Facebook marketplace or something. And we ended up raising out, I want to say five, five or six of these chicks. Two of them ended up being roosters. <laughs> wow. I'm laughing because I'm just thinking about, we only need one, but I'm just thinking about these. They are hideous, Scott Kesterson. They are the ugliest things. They're little, they're tiny. They can't sit. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with them. Um, they're not beautiful at all, but 
the other day, Leah and I were out there and we were winterizing the pens. And I can tell you guys about that in a minute. We were winterizing the pens and all of a sudden, for the first time, one of them started to <laughs> sound off and give his best um, cock-a-doodle-doo. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. Just like, oh, that's literally what it sounded like. And Lynn and I looked at each other and we just burst out laughing. And if anybody's ever raised chickens and had a rooster like start to crow, you totally get what I'm saying. Because it's the most miserable attempt. It's like when a teenage boy starts to change his voice. And so then Mr. Rooster, or Mr. Rooster, who um, has all of his manhood intact except for those um, blanks that he's shooting. And so he gives this best it just lets out. It's beautiful. And it <laughs> did not be shown up. You've got these little things that in response go, ah. <laughs> it's just so hilarious. So I don't know what we're going to do with And they have their little comb. That's, um, they've got this fur that grows behind the comb and it's just starting to stick up like alfalfa. They are just the ugliest little things. And so now we have these roosters. Um, we're not sure what we're going to do with them yet, but uh, so that's going on here at God's Little Acre. We're we're still um, short on a a fertile rooster, which I could make a joke about Scott Kesterson, but I won't because <laughs> it's even a family show. Um, yeah. Given what you've just gone through, yeah. Well, you, can, you can go ahead and try. You can go ahead and try. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> Let's just say we could use a Scott Kesterson uh, in the chicken coop right now, but we don't have one. So, uh, Leah's going to kill me for these comments. Just don't let her watch the show back. Um, so, anyway, we are still, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to buy a chicks and try for a rooster, if we're going to incubate again. I really would like to do the dorky again. I love this breed. It's, it's, like I said, it's a heritage breed. And they are a dual-purpose bird, which means they can be used for meat or for um, eggs. And we've had some phenomenal mixed breeds come out of, of Mr. Rooster and these other breeds that we've had with Silver Lace Wyandots and um, even some Golden Comets and some uh, Buff Brahmas. These are big, you know, beautiful birds, a lot of them dual-purpose. So... That's that's where we're at. The pigs are doing very well. They're growing. Um, we will likely have piglets in the spring, if I had to guess. Um, the the that's the goal. So we have not separated them, which is unfortunate. So we have no idea when we're going to get piglets. The idea is to keep your boar separated from your sows, so that when you bring them together, you have the timing. The gestation for a pig is three months, two weeks, and three days. And ideally, you would breed at the end of November so that you would um, farrow in March. And then about six weeks later, you're selling piglets. So, but we have no time. We may ha end up having piglets in the middle of the winter. Wow. Then we winterized our pens, which means that we put uh, heavy-duty plastic all around the chicken run. Even though the chickens roam the property, we have an acre in a pen. The chickens run the property throughout the year, but on the cold, cold days, they will stay in that chicken run. And also, winterizing and, and putting the plastic up helps keep the actual chicken coop warm because it's attached uh, on those super cold days. And the pig pens all got plastic, so um, they're ready to go. The bees are all but buttoned up for 
venture and I've just got to put a little foam insulation on the outside like that two inch foam board that you use in the house. Um, I usually wrap them with a ratchet strap. So I've got some of that out there. And then we usually go around and uh, we live in suburbia. So people put out this stupidest thing ever, but it works out really well for us. They bag their leaves. I know if we were to be talking to people 100 years ago um, about people putting leaves in plastic bags, they would literally wonder if aliens had landed on the planet Earth. Uh, but people do this. This is a very odd thing. They put leaves in a bag, in, in bags. And we go around and we collect them. And then we use them for insulation around the farm, whether it's around the pig pens, or around the beehives. It's very, very well around the bees to be a thermal mass um, conductor of heat in the sun in the summer because the black bags are very reflective and, and hold the heat. So so we've been doing a lot of that, which which makes you feel kind of like a robber because you're driving around um, stealing people's trash. And then I got to be the driver of the getaway car this time. And it's kind of like Matt and Leah will hop in the car after they've loaded the back of leaves and they're like, go, go, go. And then I speed away and it's really kind of a fun childish experience. <laughs> I, I think one so of the what, things... That's what's going on around here. But I think one of the things you point out, which is really important, and, I, and we've been talking a lot about this, is you really have to get so much of what you're doing on an acre, you have to really understand what it takes to process on a small level before you go to a large level. And I, yeah. and, I and I think that one of the things I, I was I really admired about what you all have done is the maximizing you have done in that space. It was great to visit, you know, about two months ago, and to literally see all that you have going on in a single acre, which is very impressive. From chickens to the pigs, to the garden, and all the other things that are there. Um, it's and it's a process, and I'm just going to speak to this for people just to hear. I mean, uh, Michelle and Leah are a constant machine of homesteading, and I don't think there's any other way to say that. As, as we're there's not a moment that's lost in taking advantage of something. As I'm, we're sitting there in the standing there in the kitchen, and suddenly Leah's like, "Okay, we're out of laundry soap," and the next thing I know, she's pulling out all the parts and pieces to make laundry soap, and they shoot a video on it. And another point, one of the <laughs> you were in the video. Yeah, I was in the video. That's right, I was. And we were doing and doing laundry soap, which, by the way, I took some with me, and it's fantastic. And then, then you have the next piece, which is like we're in. The, Are the Cantrells going to be making your laundry soap now? Oh, oh yeah, we're going to be doing it. All this, we're even going to be doing like we were talking the other day. We're going to be doing pickling of stuff, which is that's the next one. I was just talking about it tonight. You mean fermenting? Fermenting, excuse me, fermenting. And you can say pickling because that's the old-fashioned way, but I like to say fermenting so people understand there's a difference. Yeah, there is. It is old-fashioned. They would just call it pickling, but it, it it evokes something different in our minds when we think about it because we don't understand what actual pickling is. But, but it is, it's fermented food, so we're going to be doing a lot of that. And that's and that was your cue, which was good, you know, and and it's super healthy, and the, and the kids like it. I mean, it's as another example. I mean, I just want for bars. Nation to hear as you're taking care of and your business is to take care of dogs. Dog yes, sitting, and cats and horses and, and a whole and, host of other animal uh, animal animal sitting. I guess we should say right animal sitting. Yes, yes, we sit on them. <laughs> so, but it's, it's a dad joke. Yeah, well, it's not the horses though. The horses are cool. Though. Yeah, well, that's true. That's very true. The horses are cool. Those are cool horses, and. So as we're standing there, one of the dogs decided to kill one of the chickens, by the way. So I say that. And you were there for that? Yes, I was there for that. That's quite amazing. Oh, yeah. So that here, was awful. 
Yeah, but here's what was so amazing. I mean, and, and when I say this, not, ama- is I, not so much amazing, but just watching the process go as as Leah is trying to round up the dogs and get them separated from the chickens. Michelle has already got the chicken in in the in the chicken. Uh, what do you Cone. call it? Cone. Cone. Neck is cut, bleeding out. There's a show now in 15 minutes. I just want to point this out. Maybe 20. We have a show in 20 minutes. And so by the time the dogs are rounded up and the water's boiling already on the deck, and, and then the next thing is that the chicken's in the pot and it's been scalded and the feathers are being pulled off and Michelle and I peel, do the chicken, and it's done, and we're in the show in 15 minutes. The reason I bring all this up is this is how life should be. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty powerful statement to the natural way you have just worked in everything in homesteading to where you have become that the process of homesteading is not something extra. It's just part of the way you walk. And that is such a demonstration of understanding the processes of being self-sustaining. Are you there? And it's so important. And this, is, this speaks to the Cantrells being at your property. And it speaks to a, a very deep passion of mine because... A lot of kids like to come over. We do a lot of tours here at God's Little Acre. We'll have random people stop by. We have friends that will call. We have grandkids that don't know what to do with. And they say, do you have any, like, chicks or anything that our grandkids can come and hold or see or whatever? And they come over. And I've had conversations with kids, and they don't really understand where food comes from. And I'm like, you know, the chicken nuggets or the Chick-fil-A that you're eating, this is it. And that you kind of watch it. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, parents, what have you done? What are you doing to your children? So what happens is when your dog dies or your hamster dies or your fish dies, I'm not saying that these losses are not natural for you to mourn as a child. However, on a farm, when you're raised around loss and you're raised around life that's continually coming, things are a little bit different. And you'd be amazed, Scott Kesterson, at how this translates to actual life, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be very, very gentle in how I say what I'm about to say, but I want it to, I want it to be felt. And please forgive me because I have never suffered a miscarriage. Be, understand that I'm coming at a place of, of extreme tenderness when I say this. We are living in a society where miscarriages that happen are all but debilitating and cause women to almost go suicidal. And this is not a normal process. John Quincy Adams' wife, I think she suffered 14 or 17 miscarriages. When you live on a farm, and she also had, she had children that came into the world. It's beautiful. But when you live on a farm and when you live the old-fashioned way, it is easier to cope with life and death. Now, it's never, ever easy. And that's why I said I want to be very gentle in what I say because I've never suffered a loss like that. So please hear my heart when I say this. I have suffered the loss of other other humans. And I know that before we became farmers, that loss was different. And then after we became farmers, I'm able to handle it better. I understand life and death differently now. Because especially when it comes to children and raising animals, um when you lose one, you recognize that there's more coming. And so it's not like in the season of piglets or in uh, the season of, you know, your calf cow operation, you understand that, well, you know what, if I lost this next, next year, we're going to have more. And you look, you start to look forward to that. And so we are doing our children a disservice 
when we do not raise them around these things because we are not equipping them for both the tragedies and the blessings of life. I, I agree 100%. In fact, it's provable because in World War II, the levels of post-traumatic stress were extremely low. And what they try to attribute it to many times is to say, well, it's because the guys were on board a ship coming home and they had time to be with one another. There's no question that that was some aid. But the bigger issue was that almost every person that was in World War II came from a farm. And they were accustomed yeah. to the processes of life and death, of hunting, and they understood what had to be done to deal with pure evil. I mean, it's just straight. So these are there is a complete different mentality, and we are and we we've had this discussion before. Even the even the body structure of men was different in World War II, which is provable as well. So um, we we have a different society now, and it's been weakened greatly. Which kind of ties into this project we're working on. You want to talk a little bit about it? I do, actually. I'm really, really excited about this. And, and I want you guys to understand something. This is so much bigger than the flesh. And this has been part of the conversations between Leah, myself, and Scott um, about Bards of War family as everything. Because what we've done in neutering our families through getting the tubes tied or the sectomies, birth control, you name it, just this desire to not have children. We've now neutered ourselves spiritually. And as a church, it's all but impossible to bear fruit as a body of Christ when in the physical you have cut off wanting to bear fruit physically as, as a family. You've lost the plot. You don't even know what family is, you know. The title family is everything. I'm not even sure where that came from. You. When I think it was, was it me? Yeah, it was you. And it was, you it know, was the literally. Trails are going to start a ministry with that name because it's just so important. Well, it's, family they were going to do everything. family revolution, but ours, the family is everything was yours. And oh, I think, that's right. Family revolution is the same cells. That's right. Right. So, I mean, this, um, just so we, we, just real quick, what we're talking about here is a documentary we're putting together in this process, which is the process. It's a three. It's kind of a three strand narrative. It's the process of the journey of my being led by father to go back and get a reversal of a vasectomy. I did. It's the story of the Cantrells and their process of being unlimited to letting God bless them with unlimited children. And then it's the third strand of how do we, how did we get here and what caused yeah. us to be at a place that decided that we as a people had the right to destroy God's gift and stop God's blessing of children. That's basically it, right? It's nowhere in the Bible, Mr. Festerson. Nowhere in the Bible does anyone try to stop having children except for one man, Onan, who spills his seed. And God curses and kills them. So, guys, gals, if that's the only example that we have biblically, and we have a whole host of weight on the other side of every matriarch in the Bible that we look to practically, is somehow related to children or believing God for children. I think that that should give us a clue. And then, you know, we, we look at, all of the men in the Bible understood that the, the blessing of God was in their seed. 
and in their posterity and in generations coming after them. And so just from a biblical standpoint alone, the audacity of us as Christians to say, we can control this. And it's not even that we're controlling it to have lots, because that, that, this is the interesting part. Even with fertility treatments, which I'm not a huge fan of, um, even with fertility treatments, there's no guarantee. But, but the one thing that you can control most of the time is in not having children, right? And so we have not really, we're saying we, we, we want the control, but the control doesn't go both ways. The control really only goes with, goes one way. And that is, I'm going to stop up a blessing that's included in Deuteronomy 8 and 28. Oh, my mom's brought me a note. Hi, mom. Okay, so <laughs> she came all the way up to my room to give me this note. I love my mom. All right, so miscarriages. She says, they just went to heaven quickly. They are alive. Name them, him or her. Uh, Donica, Donica Hudson, who was at Bard's Fest and spoke, she had a video, um, and she did not have a name. My mom says, my eldest sister that my mom had, which she didn't, uh, she had a miscarriage for, she named her uh, Sarah. So it is really important if you have had a miscarriage, that is a real child you will see again in heaven, and you should name that child. That's very, very important. Thank you, Mom. No, it's um, wonderful. I think I, I, Let me jump on that just real quick, because there's a whole bunch of things that have happened this last week. This has been a pretty big last week for myself, but I think it's... Um, just in the journey of this thing and in the restoration of, of resetting yourself so that, you know, basically what we say, resetting this ability and the gift of the seed. This has been a very powerful process for me, as you know, and I will tell you, and I'm, I'm speaking very boldly. I mean, this is, this is a reclaiming of something that you literally by choice as a man, I took it away from myself and there is a difference. I will tell you that right now. There is a tremendous change that happens deep within that is not physical, it's spiritual. And it's a re-anchoring and resetting deep within the anchor of our faith and literally moving into that place of being a son of God. And part of that is also the responsibility that we have to take, which is the decision as we make as a man to, when you, when you do something like a vasectomy, of all the children that you've aborted, literally, by not allowing that process to occur. And that's, that's when you take that from that point and then you start to get into marriages and the decisions that you make not to have children. We are limiting what God's gift is because God's greatest gift is the plentifulness of children. So when we start to get into naming, there's literally been a number of prophetic words given this week on the same thing, which is for me, which is there are children sitting in the stasis that were intended to come into this earth that are not here and they, they don't have names. And so it's important that we start to initiate, and just like you said, when you're dealing with a, with a miscarriage, name them, honor them, honor them with what they are, because this is God's gift into us. Go ahead, Michelle. Can, can we, um, I, I, again, I want to be very careful. These are very intimate topics that I want everybody to understand when we come at them, we come at them from a place of love. I'm not sure that very many people talk about the topic of fertility treatments. And I'm wondering if we can go there and talk about the um, ethics of that and where God would sit. Because when, when, you, when you, with certain types of, of 
in vitro fertilization specifically is what I'm thinking of, which is not really a fertility treatment, but when you have in vitro fertilization and you have created this life that you just mentioned is in stasis. So there's stasis where um, like they offered for you to bank your seed. Uh, that's a different kind of stasis than when you have a, an egg that has been now fertilized and it's ready to go. And um, I just learned through friends of mine about the fact that these eggs, these fertilized eggs are just sitting there. Sometimes they're sitting there for years and, um, and then they get adopted out then they get implanted inside of a potential mother, which all of this is, uh, it's a mind bender. And here we are, you know, life and death are in the hands of God. And so if, if we as Christians believe that life begins at conception, okay, now we have scientists artificially creating an environment of conception, okay, um, and, and, and so I just, I find this from a moral standpoint, God just kind of, his heart breaking over this. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts to express. On this topic, yeah, this is this is getting into some really slippery slope stuff. And I, I understand the people's desire to have children, and I understand this, but when we start talking about fertilized eggs being implanted into a womb, and especially as we are starting to see that this is being used by our transgender community to be able to get what they want for a child or renting out a womb, which is another issue, which is part of this. And so somebody is literally agreeing to carry a child for somebody else with an egg and a sperm that is neither theirs. I have some real issues here because it, it, we're basically just, we're doing trading of life for sale. And it's just, it, we're just buying children. And that's what it is. Well, did you watch that video that Leah sent to you? Which one? I mean, there's a lot. So the I don't one know. of the the homosexual couple. Yes. Hey, Leah. Leah, come here. I'm going to give these earbuds to Leah, and have her talk about this. Um, no, will you Matt to talk about it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me let me do that. We'll go downstairs because here's the thing: we have this homosexual couple. That's, that's now, um, you know, Dave Rubin, the famous conservative homosexual guy, he did this and they have adopted and now they have these, sur so we're talking about a whole, a whole host of things. I think for most of us as conservative Christians, we can look at, okay, homosexual dudes getting a surrogate mother and specifically picking out the, 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 the DNA that they want or whatever, that's wrong. But we don't realize that we have got them to that place by saying, well, we can do life and death in our hands ourselves. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem I'm having on all of this. Yeah, it does because we're we're choosing, we're choosing the entire process in a lab to begin with, and then we're finding who's going to accept this fertilized egg and and it basically yeah. it's a it's a life form now, and who we're going to implant it in. We're getting into some exactly. ethics here that it, this is there is no there, this is not as is intended, and it's definitely not as of God. And and right. there's no limit once we start this stuff. This gets into all of the things we're dealing with. There is no limit to where this stops. And that's that's the problem that I'm having with all of this is once we start to break the natural cycle, and I understand there's all sorts of framework and justification for it because we want children, we don't have fertility, et cetera. What we never put enough emphasis on is the spiritual blessing that God gives for this. And instead, we're trying to find a scientific solution. And once that door is opened, there is no limit because then we start to get into Petri dish children that are, that are going to be gene edited and put into anybody's womb, including artificial wombs. 
and we're already on that way fast. So we look at this this video that I don't think you've watched yet. It's quite disturbing. I, I really want you to play it on the show. Coming closer. Really, really close. Tonight, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> She's trying to put a band-aid on this poor guy's got a stand cut. Um, oh, mom, my mom has a cut on her hand. Oh, she's burnt. That's right. Um, it's part of real life, guys. So um, this video that's going viral is this famous, I guess there's some sort of famous homosexual couple that they paid $250,000 to get essentially eggs from Ivy League supermodels so that their child that is born will be like some sort of flaming hot genius. That's crazy. It's disgusting. I mean, this is a, this is the beginning of designer children is what we're talking about, and that is our problem because that is the that is the WEF's model. Right. By the way, World Economic Forum's model is to create designer children, and if you followed anything that they're talking about, part of this whole phase we're in, which is also sterilization of the world, is to create dependency upon artificial wombs so that you're using birthing clinics, and you're then literally having your children genetically designed. You want certain highlights and certain benefits and you just pay money to get it done. And that's where we're headed and where they want to head. And then once we start to get into that, we're already there. It's just a matter of them mainstreaming it through the various different ways that they do it to get an acceptance of egg transference and egg implantation. So Exactly. Exactly. So Leah's going to actually, I want to see, Scott, if we can play this audio and see if you hear it. We are going to just play it of these I guys. think I, if send me, okay. I, I can send it here. I can do it here. We probably spent can you hear it? Million quid. <sighs> the first time we, we were meant to go to America and then we couldn't because of COVID. So we ended up working on We're hearing it. And it's just not coming through very well. You go to the bar and you go, I'm going to procreate that person, right? That's your choice as a human. I wanted to find someone that I know is going to be absolute smoke show. Basically, we chose Emily Bard. <laughs> There's a company in LA, and they have a company that basically is supermodels who are Ivy League educated. They have to have gone to like Brown, Columbia. Oh, no. I went to Columbia. That feels a bit strange, is it not? Or no? It's a bit prostituted. I think it's quite fabulous, but the eggs were terribly expensive, but we got the Brazilian supermodels. So there so they you go. Got their, and so all this started because Guy Benson is a newscaster on Fox News and he pulled a Dave Rubin. So he and his partner, a man, supposedly we would call him his husband, they went and went through a, a egg catalog and they choose all, it's very eugenic okay, where you're choosing what your hair color is going to be, the eye color, and, and you choose like, what kind of talents they have. And it's so eugenic, literally martyr thing of eugenics being brought back. And they choose this egg and, and they, I guess they put one of their sperm in it. And then I'm sure this is a white woman because this baby came out white. And then they take this all white baby egg and then they put her into a black woman, a poor black woman. And they pay her to um, give birth to this baby. And then what is happening right now on conservative um, Twitter right now is you have the, the, the kind of the right wing Christian saying, this is child trafficking. This is morally abhorrent at the highest levels. And you have the rest of the Trumpy type supporters 
saying, listen, you're not being hurt. Nobody's being hurt with this. Um, the, the, this is not a big deal. What's your problem? Yeah, and this is a disgusting process. I don't. I have nothing good to say about this because you've hit a couple of things here. First of all, I mean, why would you possibly put this? You have a a child that's going to be born white. They put it into a a poor black woman's womb. The only reason you're doing that is it's another version of slave trade, and it's it's literally right. I mean, there's there's no there's no question about that. There's a there's a racist element about this to begin with, but it's an exploitation element to find the cheapest and most receptive person who is desperate to put money in that they just are renting a womb. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what it comes down to. And it all involves the modern society with all the technology and electricity and even the internet that we're using now because they utilize it for evil so that people that would normally just be on a farm somewhere in the middle of nowhere just serving God now it enables a rich, sinful person that wants to buy eggs and sperm and they want to find a person to implant those in and allows that to happen, allows them to somehow find each other. Whereas this, the technology is not right. And then the fact that they can even come together to begin with, it's just not right. And just abnormal absolutely for those of you who don't know this is matt and matt's <laughs> a big part of the family and uh, with leah and michelle so um that was a drop in so hello matt how are you i'm doing great he had literally this, this, said this, this reminds me this yeah like, this is oh. this just reminds me of back in like the 1980s before the internet if you were to buy a product from a store You'd have to buy it from a family-owned business in your small town. And if for some reason that business couldn't get you the replacement parts for that thing, you would just have something that's broken or you'd have to throw it away. Like you couldn't just go on Amazon or you couldn't just Google search some sort of replacement part for some sort of tool or something that was made in Korea or, you know, China or something like that. But nowadays we can go online and you can find almost anything. And some people utilize that like, okay, I'm the rich guy and I'm going to put some fishing lures out here and try to find a person that's in a position that is desperate for money and they've thought along the lines of, yeah, you know, I could sell off and rent my womb to get ahead in life. So what's the difference between renting a human womb and just putting a baby in an incubator? Well, I don't think there is one. I think this is exactly where we've already arrived. And that's the fact that we've all, we've gone so far now with this renting the womb thing that the only next step is it's just going to be easier. Forget the human in the equation, take the human out of the loop and we'll put the incubator in your house and you can grow your baby on the, on the shelf while you go around doing your daily deeds. They actually want yeah, to do that. I've seen videos. I can't remember if it was InfoWars, but I've seen that. And it's literally like the people are in these little pods. And you can choose somebody else's egg and somebody else's sperm and then just raise the child. Like, this is, we have to stop this now. And it all comes back to like the Federal Reserve getting off the gold standard with the paper money. And now it's just little 
characters on a computer screen somewhere mm. that they can print all this money and people can have this artificially inflated uh, prosperity and then they have all the resources to throw around for the technology and to make this stuff happen. Two gay Whereas, guys should not have $250,000 million or $250,000 to throw on a Brazilian model egg. This, yeah, 100 to 200 years ago, you're in the middle of nowhere working on a farm or a ranch somewhere riding horses and you're seeking God and everything with God is free. But if the Holy Spirit is leading you to establish a family with someone, then you get married and you have the children as God brings them forth and it's all free under him. What did you say? You don't have to pay. Uh, you need to find a wife if you want to have a kid. Well, yeah, you have to find a female and be led by God and you get married because man plus man does not equal baby. I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that just, that's like MM does not equal B. Right? I no. Mean, no. And this is, this is the abomination that we're dealing with, truly. I mean, we are dealing with such a situation that and it's all sold in a way to try to coax in the majority of the population, which always ends up bringing in a large percentage of the Christian base because it's all about, well, we're going to give you an ability to have children. And no one's thinking about the consequences of what happens when we unleash this beast like is happening now. So, yes, we can, we can artificially inseminate an egg and we can do that in a lab and we can implant that into somebody. And that's when you're over here in, in your prayers and saying, God, I want a child. But there's a there is a misgiving here of thinking that those in the science community have any sort of morals or ethics because they don't. And all this becomes is a process to get closer to a transhumanist society where Absolutely. everything is engineered in the lab and it's then and it's controlled by the state and you literally don't even have any rights to your children anymore. And we have to recognize as far as hospitals go and healthcare, they might be able to set broken bones. Or stitch you up if you get cut, but beyond that, you're going to get anti-cancer treatments or heart problem treatments that are going to leave you sicker and worse off than you were to start out with. Or if you get COVID, you're going to get remdesivir and you're going to have a ventilator. And it's all about profit. It's not about your health. Well, this is the same with the so children. This, this, is, this is all children <laughs> trafficking in, in the worst case because we're dealing with designer babies, and what they're doing here on the high level, we just got to reverse this, so we'll reverse engineer it. So you've got two gay men that are designer designing their child based on eggs that they can get contributed and they want in a certain profile. Now, people need to flip that and realize that what's coming across the border are women that are being forced to get pregnant, and they're, they're putting those children, designing those children specifically for a, for a purpose which is trafficking and satanic rituals. So it works to both ways. The elite are celebrating the fact that they can get the cream of what they want, apparently on the profiles. And on the other end, the elite are celebrating the fact that they can use people's babies for their ritual practices and they can rent wombs of the poor. That's what this and is all not, coming down. That's something that somebody who's going to are a Republican, that they are on your side. Because if you guys watch the Revelation Red Show on Wednesday, You'll see that um, you'll see that Carnegie, uh, Morgan, and Rockefeller got together in the election for in 1893 to elect a Republican. 
William McKinley. And so we've been for the past, over over 120 years. Uh, any any Republican or Democrat candidate has been chosen by the bankers, by the steel worker, by the steel owners. Every big business, every president has been bought. And the reason why Trump, for all of his faults, broke the matrix is nobody bought him there because he was one. He was the Rockefeller who became president. And everybody's like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't choose you. This wasn't your turn, buddy. Okay, you're not here for, for you know, and he made so many mistakes. You know, um, I saw a, a side story. I saw Tucker Carlson on Roseanne Barr saying how he told Trump Mike Pompeo was a really bad guy and that he literally um, had tried to have Julian Assange assassinated. So Trump not making a lot of good picks and not making a lot of great decisions, but he broke the matrix. And that's why everything is going haywire. But going back to the guy Benson, the Fox News host, these are, you know, Dave Rubin is supposedly kind of like conservative now. He's the first major gay conservative guy that bought a baby, bought a womb. And so now these gay couples are saying that they're married. They're calling, this is my husband. That is not your husband. You know, that is, you can't, you don't get, there are no two husbands. Okay, there's no two wives. A, a wife must have a husband. A husband must have a wife. It's, it's literally a title that requires an equal and opposite something else and so it's it's a farce and we need to stand up and say it loudly this time because when they brought about eugenics and they brought about margaret Sanger and all that stuff in the beginning it was it was christians were very silent and they didn't know they were entering into spiritual warfare and it's just taking god out of society in general especially with the public school and just the basics of teaching people that god created the heavens and the earth he created everything you see, everything in your environment. He created you and puts you here on this earth, and he has a plan of purpose for your life. And then they can seek him. They can get filled with the spirit and seek a relationship with him. But they want all this chaos in society with all the trinkets and electronics and all the flashing lights. It's like a... What's that town in Pilgrim's Progress, Vanity Fair, yeah. where it's like all this chaos going on and it just gets people distracted just from that basic truth of, wow, in the beginning, God created a man and a woman. And he, God created them to live off the land and to get married and have kids and, you know, share the gospel, how great he is. When they take that out, then it just, that vacuum, that emptiness just gets filled with all the satanic stuff. I agree. Everything artificial with a man and a man and they want a baby. And then some people, I don't know if it's going beyond it or whatever, where they talk about, oh, you know, men can get pregnant and they can chest feed and all this craziness. <laughs> well, the, the, we've gone to such a point now that they've mainstreamed this to where there's even caution for people to step out and speak against it. And this is fundamentally when you take God out of our life, take God out of government, take God out of schools, and you've taken the faith, all of that with it, and Bible, and the Bible becomes a hostile book to read, you know, it's obvious that there's a truth that they're trying to suppress. And when you take away those fundamentals out of people's lives, then you literally walk people, watch people walk into the desert, and anything becomes possible. And so with anything becoming possible, we literally see men converting themselves to women through surgery exactly. and then claiming that they can have a baby. 
I mean, that's about as ludicrous as it is, right? Yeah, and back in the day, like decades ago, even most people that were worldly not saved, like a biology teacher in school or something, they'd probably laugh you out of the room if you were to say, yeah, I'm in the wrong body or I'm a woman or something. They think it's crazy. And now they have men that have, there are men out there that have kind of converted their body over to being sort of like a female or something. And they want to go in to gynecologists and get all these female checkups and stuff by doctors. And the doctors are supposed to play along and pretend like, okay, I'm going to check check on you and make sure everything's going okay. I'll tell you what, though. And where does we, it end? We need to have answers Insanity. because uh, we're talking. I'm talking to some young teenage girls, and um, we were talking. We were talking about these the, the transgenderism. They were talking, and they're actually. They're encountering these young people. We need answers for them. Um, one young lady I spoke to today said someone came up to her and said, you're the reason why gays and lesbians are killing themselves because you're a Christian. And she immediately was, you know, kind of took offense and was going to snap back, but she didn't. She answered back with love and kindness and, t- and talked about Genesis and being made in the image of God. But she said, you know, I love worshiping God, but I went to church, you know, after your message, I kind of fired him up. And she said, I went to church. And I tell you what, I just felt empty. Like somebody give me answers for this. And, um, you know, this is, we do not have, we have maybe a handful that you could probably count on your hands of churches who are equipping adults to do this. But I don't know of any churches at all in the entire world that are equipping young people, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old to go into the spirit realm on how to reach out to the to their peers, to reach out and tell them you're made in the image of God. God loves you. I'm telling you, there is a lost and dying world of young people who are so hungry to just be loved. And we have a whole group of, of teenagers who are so hungry to love them, but nobody's putting two and two together. They're, tell, they're keeping the Christian kids over here, worship God, sing your worship song. But they want to fight. I met them. They want to fight in the spiritual realm. They want to be equipped. How do I reach these people? How do I bind against Satan? I was I was so impressed with some young people I was talking to today who said who could see literally see they they said these these lesbians these these homosexuals uh, they have chains on their minds and I was like yes somebody tell them that these kids have chains on their minds that they bind against Satan and they allow ask the Holy Spirit to get past the chains on their minds and to reach them. And I, and we really have to have some, some high level spiritual training and love training, uh, not just to go along with the homosexuality and the LGBT community, but to teach them how to literally set these people free from it. And that's a gift from God to have those girls going into that situation, proclaiming the truth, because you shall hear the truth and the truth shall set you free. But a lot of these people, they're in modern society, they just haven't heard the truth. And they're just kind of in this la-la land of everything is contrary to God, where God's taken out of government and the public schools and society in general with all the entertainment. And it's easy to see that. It's just so big and so powerful, and that's the way to not know that truth. No, I agree. But it's kind of always get that truth. And you recognize, wow, I can have a relationship with God. God can fill me up with his spirit. 
and I can know that he loves me and cares about me and it's amazing but they don't they don't recognize that that's even an option a no, lot of times no it's very true I mean I think where we we arrived then is the point that we were kind of getting into this a minute ago and I, I, do, I do want to kind of wrap it up with this is the the whole point of this film that we're doing this documentary which is family is everything and we're really trying to get down to the root of this and show the process of how the influence of the satanic cults and the eugenics movement have literally moved us to a point where we think that we have a choice. We believe that it's our choice to decide to terminate life, which is God's greatest gift, and, and not only terminate life, but our, our limit and destroy our ability to have life ourselves because we are choosing a process of sexual pleasure in the flesh and do those, and that's a corruptive process tied with the choices that we make and that process of what it takes to restore that along with the families that are not doing that, and that's to focus on the contrails. When you un, when you uncork that ability, when you don't limit God's blessing and you watch the family grow. I mean, this is, this is the entire point of most of this fight now. And it's not about a moral issue of whether people who have children are willing to defend and fight for freedom or all of this. It is ultimately, are you willing to accept God's blessings in the greatest of way, which is to grow families and prosper and expand the kingdom? And unfortunately, it's the corrupted practices are so deep now that most of these moral issues have been lost in the, in the noise of trying to justify economically, trying to justify morally, because God's been stripped from all of the equation. And so we're ending up in a place where the value of family itself is so de denigrated and the purpose of family has been so denigrated that it becomes a function of how many children can I not have? What's my minimum I yeah. need to get by to be fulfilled? And that's ends up being our life. Right? As far as the finance, so we have a friend and she posted on Facebook a couple of years ago that, you know, Christians, there's no sin against being poor, you know? Children are a gift from God. And Crystal Ice has talked in the past about how when God brings a husband and wife together, that act is an act of creation. Because, you know, that's something God given that we're kings and priests on this earth and we are involved in that creative process with God. We're partnering with Him in it. So it's not just random women with women and men with men, it's something that people prayerfully consider and see God on. And then they do embrace the families because if you lose the family, you lose the church, you lose society, you lose the government, and it all starts to dissolve. And it all comes down to just breaking down the simplicity of those first chapters of Genesis. Or other books of the Bible that talk about how Families should function under God. I agree. And we look at other stories about dysfunction in the family and we say, wow, like that situation wasn't God's best. These people were off base and in sin or something. And then God came in, or God used people and he came in and corrected the situation. But we can't look at that as like, wow, you know, so and so did XYZ in the Bible. So, you know, maybe there's a precedent for that. Maybe we could embrace that in society. 
Because if we lose just the simplicity of man marrying a woman, God brings you forth and bear children, then everything just becomes distorted and perverted. Well, this is ultimately where we've arrived, is that there's so much corruption within the concept of what a relationship is, the inf- inf- in the inf- the issues of pornography, the issues of objectification, all of these things have destroyed the very essence of the beauty of the family. And, you know, I'm, I'm one that has happened to grow up in a good family as an excellent example of what it is to have a great father and a great mother. And unfortunately, that has become such a rarity. Then it's like, it's like talking about dinosaurs. I mean, exactly. it's, it, it's, this is the problem because we, we are now at a point where the family, the average the majority of divorces are around 10 years. The, the, the children without fathers, the children with broken families are off the charts. And we are literally at a point right now in our existence where the concept of family and what right looks like has to be retrained. And in fact, we were just talking about this tonight, Paul and I, of what it is going to take to reset the men of this world. And it's going to have to be able to take time with them to show them what right looks like in a family. Because there isn't a model anymore. It's broken. And there's no examples. There's not enough examples. I won't say there's no examples. There's not enough examples to be in the mainstream. And there's so many broken families out here that the idea of modeling good family and I, don't, and I don't mean just by function of having kids. I mean modeling good family where it is truly the stewardship of a father. Here's an example of my own. My father never missed in a single event in my life in, in, in any time I was in school because he ran his business on a principle that he would tell every single one of his customers that no matter what the situation was at the job, his sons always came first. And that no, they would have to understand that no matter what happened on the job, that he would always put the priority of his sons first before them. That is a very rare approach. And it's something that in this day and age that too many fathers are not understanding even that simple principle. And there's much more to it than just that. So we, we are going to have Go ahead. I love, you say, I love that you brought that up because I've told Liam Michelle here that in society, it's like people kind of lust after someone. And it's like you meet them at a bar or you meet them at a rock and roll concert and they hook up and then they possibly get married and it's like they're together and they sleep together, but they don't really want to spend any time with each other. They love working, they love being independent, spending as little time with each other as possible. And no one's going to get a dog or a cat for their house and then immediately think, oh, I want to ship that dog or cat off to doggy daycare and have them spend as much time away from me as possible. That makes no sense. You get a dog because they do work on a farm or ranch or something. You don't let to have them and have them around you. So why would someone get married and then just kind of detest their spouse or they want to ship their kids off to public school and or like, even other functions outside the home where it's like some parents, it can be a good thing for people to take piano lessons or guitar lessons or something like that. But sometimes it's like they try to keep them as busy as possible. Like you stay away like a good 10, 12, 14 hours a day, you know, just kind of go away so that I can be alone. And that's just completely opposed to, God's tremendous love for us and seeking us out 
and his love for us while we are yet sinners. And just the same thing, when we represent God on this earth, the Father, to other people, we naturally just want to be around them. I think that's, your example is excellent. And let's just close with that and then we'll go to prayer. But I think that's just an excellent point. And it's this. If we will take the value of an animal to such a degree that we would covet it in the home, do everything we can to keep it from our doggy daycare and keep and give it more time, we are in such a broken state that people see that giving their children away to public schools, giving pushing their children out the door, giving their children to any sort of extracurricular activity becomes the predominant motive for having children is not to keep them close, but to push them away. I would say we have arrived at peak stupid because we have arrived at such a level of degradation of the family and relationship of the gift of God that we value a dog or a cat more than we devalue the gift of life of children in the family. And we justify it through a thousand different ways me and like, I'm going to prepare my child for a great future. I'm getting them to go to these schools. I want them to get all these skills, all of that. But all of that ultimately is about pushing a child away to keep it from the nurturing of the home and retaining the animal closer to you for the nurturing of that animal. That's distorted upside down and probably marginal satanic just by virtue of what it is. I mean, it's just pretty sick. So we have a problem. All right, let's let's go yeah. to prayer. Matt, you want to open with prayer? Yeah, and might say, hey, at least you're not aborted, but you know, we really don't want you around. It's kind of the feeling that I think a lot of people have. Yep, I agree. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for just to bring us here today, and we just to decree that your truth of Bring forth and flood over this land, and the people would know that we're created by you and your love and have a purpose. And we just thank you for just reestablishing the family and just reestablishing it based on you and your truth and just that basic simplicity of the gospel and just eliminating all the, complex, the complexities and just trappings of the world so that people can just truly walk with you be completely filled with your spirit and just have that love just overflow out of them to every single person they encounter every day but especially the people that are around the most and we just thank you for showing them all that they are truly loved and valued and allowing them to know that and we just thank you for just allowing that feeling to take fire and take place and we just thank you for all the salvations and just the freedom that will come just by knowing that sympathy and just weeding out all the chaos, all the turmoil and conflict, just to be able to seek you and just live that simple life of just proclaiming your gospel and just living off the land, the crops and animals, the healthy, vibrant family, healthy food and we just thank you for this upcoming video documentary and we just thank you for just the power that's contained in it and we just thank you for just allowing society just to really grasp onto that and see that 
that's the true true answers that they've been seeking all along and they've just been sent all the wrong places and all the things the world have just left them empty just dry and barren and we just thank you for allowing them just to go back to that place in the childhood and just recognize that wow i was in a family and they weren't teaching the right things and the public schools are teaching me the wrong things and we can just proclaim uh, victory there and just sever off any of the demonic activity in the regions and principalities that are affecting these institutions and we just cast out anything any evil spirit anything that's not the holy spirit of god we just cast that back in the lake of fire to burn never to be returned and we just proclaim freedom to everyone's society we can't we proclaim freedom for schooling and for just society so that the businesses that are being run are ethical and they're not just based on profits and they really value relationships with people in their communities and we just cast out all those rulers and principalities and demonic strongholds that are just overtaking the government right now and we just pray the eyes be open and then say wow i i never saw it this, that way but God's right on all of this. <laughs> and they just really turn their lives over to him. And that any of the people in power that aren't going to turn their lives over to God, we ask they can remove. And we just turn them over to you. If you're the righteous judge and you know every person's life, exactly what they've been through, every single situation, and you know how to deal with it in a proper, just manner. And we just thank you for all that you do for us each and every day and just allowing us to serve you and worship you. And we just thank you for this broadcast tonight and using our great Amen. Amen. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time today and just a blessed meeting and the conversations that we continue to have to move the awareness of the family and revive the root. And most importantly, Father, just as this we step forward into this time where we're going to be bringing this story forward in a documentary, that we can use this documentary in this time to awaken truly the deeper knowledge and the deeper awareness of what has gone wrong with our families. We were too willing to put a Band-Aid on families. We're too willing to accept average rather than great. We're too willing to look at the nuclear family of two or less as in standard rather than look at the blessings of the many and the, and the fullness of what this intended to be. And so, Father, we're just asking now as we step forward into this that the eyes will be open to realize that this is a long chain of events that have been designed specifically to destroy the root of the family, to sever that need and that understanding of what the true blessing of life has been. And instead, now that we start to struggle with trying to understand family, we're not looking deep enough. So may we look deeper, look deeper in our hearts. May we look deeper at your words, deeper at the gifts that you've given us. And in so doing, reflect honestly in the mirror and reflect honestly in our hearts of what it is and how far we've gone awry and so how far we've gone off the path. And in so doing, awaken that desire to once again revive the true sense of family, the blessing of family, the greatness of family, and to overcome the threat of against the family, to stand boldly in the gap and then once again bring the family to the forefront as the foundation for the church 
the foundation of tribes and the foundation of nations, to value it for what it is, and to let it grow in its fullness of prosperity and blessing that you provide. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all, Leah, Michelle, Matt. Appreciate you coming on today. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was great to just pop right in. You did. <laughs> Good job, Rick. All right. Awesome. Bless you both. Bless you all. All right, Patriots. That was a show. The audio was pretty good. It was a little rough tonight, but we, we'll get through it and continue to work on some of the audio issues for these call-ins. This is one of Podbean's latest challenges that I keep stumbling on, which is completely irritating. But it's uh, making it difficult now to even do Zoom calls into, into Podbean. So we'll, we'll continue to find the solutions. But I think the audio is strong enough. You can get a pretty good sense of the discussion. Family is the root and what we're faced with. It's one of the biggest wars that we face. It's a challenge that we face ahead that's going to be continuing and the onslaught's going to continue. And unfortunately, there's not enough willingness to dig into the depths of what this represents. So the, the challenges that we are really at right now is to be honest about this. And to be honest that the enemy's major attack is not about politics. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about money. These are ancillary effects to its ultimate target. Its target is to destroy the family and to just ravage the family to such a degree that it will never be restored and never be restored to the power and might that God needs it to be, to weaken it, to compromise it, to, to scar it, to ultimately leave such a place and in such a way, to do it in such an amazing way that for our sake of, re, of being victims of this, that we would never be able to recover as a nation. That's a question that we have to put before us and start facing that with honesty. Because if we don't face that with honesty, we are never going to survive this fight. This is a fight right now of replacement and rebirth of people that have no interest in this nation. And they are using those of the white Christian foundation and even black Christian foundation of this nation to destroy and ravage the families to such a degree that we, the power of what God intends cannot continue. And that's a decision that we all have to make of what we're willing to stand for and fight for. So to kind of wrap up what we've alluded to and talked a little bit about, and there'll be a lot more discussion, it is the principle of truly developing a story, which we're calling Bards of War, Family is Everything. To be able to look at where the origins of this come from, to look at the the motivation and drive that it took for, for God to put on my heart to redo an, a, a mistake, a sin that I made by severing my seed, and then to look and how that ties in with a family that is now here with me, the Kentrells, and what that represents as a family that has not limited it at all and see how they grow and prosper in the name of the Lord. Those three threads tie together to remake a, a bond that is unbreakable and a story that should be hopefully motivational and powerful to get to the root of where this war has always been. We've just been blinded to it. And it's important that we get this story out and tell it in such a boldness that it will hopefully wake us all up. Well, Patriots, thank you for being here tonight. We'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. 
expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Chasing mountains I can't Sometimes it takes all you got to 